Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray. And this week, we are joined by Leah B. Olson. Leah has such an incredible story about finding the game of basketball, how basketball helped her develop as a person, how it helped her develop her own personality, and how it ultimately ended up leading to her having a successful career in sports broadcasting. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode of Athletes Rising with Leah B. Olson. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. Kelly Gray here with Leah B. Olson. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Kelly, such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I love the work you're doing and really thankful to be here with you. Um, so um, I'm pretty excited to, to get to talk to you because, uh, one, I don't think I've talked to anybody from basketball yet. And so I, I like hearing the stories from various sports. But let's just let's just start at the beginning for you. So um, as a child, um, h- how did sports kind of come into your life? Well, I will tell you this, that I was one of those young people that grew very, very quickly. So by about 12 and a half years old, I was already six foot one. (laughs) So that in itself obviously attracted a lot of attention to me, people wanting me to play sports for them. But, um, But in general, just as a kid, I was just very athletic and very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, I grew up with three older brothers who, um, are all pretty close in age to me. So it was just kind of constantly that I was playing sports with them and, um, just very competitive, always wanting to beat them. We would play anything. We'd play floor hockey. We, um, we'd play tennis, we played basketball, the others. So we kind of did football. We did a little bit of anything really based on what season it was. Yeah, Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, go ahead. But so what was interesting, though, was I went to a school that um, didn't have sports. It was kind of like this small community school um, that my parents wanted us in. And um, so so the problem was, was I didn't really have access to a lot of sports like a lot of young people do nowadays. But but what I was doing is I was playing still. I was playing in gym class. I was playing yeah. after school. I, so I was, I was very active in sports, but didn't have an opportunity to play on a team till uh, my junior year in high school. Oh, wow. So that late. Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy because I think yeah. now that my story probably couldn't even happen now. Um, I don't <laughs> know how coaches would react to someone, a, a junior in high school, having never really officially been on a team. But um, what happened was, um, my brothers really got tired of playing with me and they were, they were burning (laughs) out and they were like, you should go play sports with someone who wants to play with you, you know? So they rec, so literally they recommended that I transfer schools and I did, I moved, I went to um, a school in Minneapolis. There's Minneapolis South high. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember the day um, word had kind of gotten out that there was a new, you know, tall girl in school who was going to try out for basketball and the coach was really excited to meet me. And um, he was, you know, he had seen me shooting a little bit, but just barely anything. So he was, you know, pretty optimistic. And then he said, where have you played? You know, what teams have you been on? And I said, well, you know, I played in gym class and with my brothers. And 
and that look on his face of like the excitement <laughs> kind of going away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not quite as excited, but he said, you know, you're welcome to try out and let's just see how it goes. So, yeah. um, so what was nice because I hadn't played sports on a, any other teams before, I didn't really have any bad habits. I didn't really yep. have any expectations of what the tryouts would be. I just went out. Um, I watched what everybody else was doing and I basically just copied them. And um, I wasn't even super nervous because I didn't really even know um, what to be nervous about. So I just went in and I had a really, really strong tryout. And what the coach said to me after the tryout was, I can see that you're really a raw athlete. And if you're willing to keep an open mind and to be coached, I think I can coach you into being a great athlete. And so that was the start of my basketball career. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing. It's also when you said that you didn't really know what to go into, but I I, having gone through a thousand different tryouts myself, um, I think, I mean, what was the mentality of, of that? Like just going into this, this new school, this new trial and possibly even playing on a team. I mean, was there like a level Mm -hmm. of excitement? Was there any fear, you know? Yeah, I will say there wasn't any fear, but there was definitely a level of excitement because I was, I was finally feeling like I was going to be doing something that I probably should have been doing earlier in my life because I know I wanted to be playing more. I just wasn't. And so, but I do really clearly remember like, having to watch everything uh-huh. everyone else did literally I was just copying there was a couple other tall girls so I would always be in line behind them and if they yep. did it I did it and yep. and that's kind of what the coach said that's part of the reason why he thought I was very coachable is he's he's like I can see you're picking it up as you're going and yeah. one of you know and one of the things he really liked is he's like you haven't really figured out any bad bad habits and it's really <laughs> cool to see that yeah so yeah he's like so I think so that was what was kind of fun about that period I was just really open to being taught the game of basketball yeah I mean god that that's that's such a an interesting time and I think that's something that we actually don't see a lot of kids do these days is I know just watch you know I, I know mm-hmm. myself um in, in my own story of it was there wasn't a lot of soccer on tv um you know when when I was younger there was the RAI channel all in Italian and you know, every now and then you'd you'd get like a, a good Italian league game that would come through, and that was kind of it. And now okay. with like with like YouTube and with the amount of soccer that's on TV, it's I feel like kids can find anything. But they watch, but they don't really watch for that. Mm-hmm. I think that purpose of like I want to emulate that. And I mean, even in my own career with players that I played with, I would emulate. Uh, I mean, I can remember one specifically. My buddy Kyle Tanner, college. Um, my college roommate and college teammate of mine, I tried to okay. emulate him from the time I was 12 years old uh, all the way through. I mean, even, even through my professional career, just the, the calmness right. and the way that he moved and kids today, they just seem to, to not, not like, I guess, put the value on that. They listen maybe too much to their coaches. <laughs> right. Right. You, like you learned. From yeah. Boxing. Well, and I think it was so critical for me because I, I did understand that there was a chance I would not make this team. Yeah. Um, and so I really had to kind of do use that focus to figure out, okay, I know, I know I'm a good athlete, but I'm so far behind. And so yeah. what is it going to take? And I was looking like for little details. Um, I will say this, my left hand was not very good. So it took me a while, <laughs> yeah. it took me a little while to figure out the left-handed layup, but I understood the foot, 
the footwork and yeah, watching the behind it. Yeah. The mechanics of it. Um, and I think, you know, when you were talking about how people watch games these days, I think it is important, like for young people in particular, if you're trying to learn from watching is like, um, the best advice I got was don't in basketball, at least don't just follow the ball because then you kind of get just stuck on the ball is, uh-huh. is to watch what people are doing away from the ball. How do they move without the ball? How are they getting to their spaces? Uh-huh. Um, pieces like that were really valuable to me because that's, that's what I was trying to do because I was coming in so late. Yeah. God, that's, that's so just so true. Um, so let's talk about that. I mean, high school is when you, when you yeah. find basketball, you find your team. How is the high school experience and then leading into, you know, the potential of actually playing college ball? Well, it was so amazing because it, it really was the missing link for me because I fell in love with the game immediately. And what it, a big part of it for me was because I was, you know, 12, 13 years old and six foot one at a time when you're, you're really trying to fit in. And yeah. I was stand, I was standing out. And, but when I was on the basketball court, when I was with my teammates, that was the first time I really felt that sense of fitting in uh-huh. and really understanding what this six foot one body could be used for and how valuable my height could be. And so, you know, first and foremost, I always say to people that basketball gave me my confidence and that allowed me you know it just totally changed who I was and so that allowed me to move through school easier to connect with teachers and peers and everyone in just a completely different way so um, I'm very thankful for the game for that Um, but so right away it was like I connected in with the team I loved it and um, did very well had a really good um, a really great season and learned the game at the higher level Mm -hmm. and then um, and then <laughs> I have, this is, I have such a weird coming through that I know it's like nobody else's, but <laughs> I ended up graduating my junior year, okay. which because, because I had transferred in how my, huh. how my credits worked with the school was I had enough credits to graduate. So, um, so I had one year of high school basketball and because I had liked the game so much, we decided my parents and I, that I would go to community college because the coach there was encouraging me to get more experience to see if I could play at a higher level. Sure. So, yeah. So at the tender age of 16, I graduated from high school and then I started (laughs) at community, started at community college and there, and that's really where I learned the game. I kind of learned the, what uh-huh. the game, how the game's really played, the like fundamentals the behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And really start to understand it more and, um, and really had great success in community college, ended up being um, in the school's hall of fame and their all time leading scorer rebounder. And so nice. at those years were the years I kind of needed to kind of really get set with the confidence uh-huh. for the game. Um so, so that was a really fun period. And then after I played two seasons at community college, the university of Minnesota, um, the coach at the time called over and said, we'd like Leah to come over and try out for the team mm-hmm. and a little bit different than, you know, regular kids who are being recruited because, um, because I was coming out of community college, I was kind yeah. of still unknown. They were like, well, let's just have her try out for a week and see how that goes. Sure. So 
So that was a big wake up call. Um, I yeah. went, you know, <laughs> I went over to the, you know, Golden Gophers, University of Minnesota. And at the University of Minnesota, the the floor, the I think it's like one of only two or maybe the only floor in the country that's this elevated floor. And everyone uh-huh. calls it the barn. It's basically kind of built <laughs> in an old barn and the floor is elevated. So when I first got to practice or the, my first day of tryouts with the team, I remember seeing the whole team on the court and thinking how big they all looked. And I was thinking, well, maybe it's because the floor is elevated. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I got up on that floor with them and I looked around and I'm like, nope, it's because they're all very big. And <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so it was just kind of eye opening for me because um, in my year of high school and my community college years, I was like the tallest and I yep. was so able to use that to my advantage. And now at this level, I was not the tallest. There was five or six other girls who were taller than me. Mm-hmm. And not only were they taller, but they were just so much stronger and bigger. I was very skinny, skinny um, yeah. basketball player. So it was, so I was kind of like just looking at them. I could kind of feel a sense of, oh, oh this is going to be a lot different. And, um, and so for the next week, I had the opportunity to, um, just practice and I they were just practicing and I was trying out with them and so um it was incredibly difficult the first two days were kind of a disaster I just couldn't figure out how to how to score I couldn't I didn't know what to do with the physicality of the game at that level um so I just remember I went home and I just did like what most good college girls would do to their mothers. And I had a complete breakdown. Yep. Pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, just let and just was like, this isn't going to work. And my mom did not play basketball and she's just this very amazing, fierce woman. And she just, she just said to me, you just have to go focus on what you do well. And so she made me kind of sit down and really think about why have I had success in this game for the short amount of years that I played in it. And, and it was clear to me, it was because I was a great rebounder and I was very fast. And mm-hmm. she, she was like, that's all you can think about these next three days. You can't yeah. think about anybody else and you can't think about your weaknesses right now. It has to be your strengths. And, and that little pep talk really kind of turned things around for me. Cause the next day I was like, I'm going to get a rebound in this practice. And yeah. once I got that first rebound, Um, then I kind of just started getting my confidence and I was talking to myself and I kind of worked myself through it and had a really good practice. And then, and then I started connecting with the other players a little bit and learning how to play with them. And so the next three days went really well. And so then I made at the end of the week, they told me I had made the team and, um, and it really was the experience, you know, completely change the trajectory of my life but um yeah it was yeah it was really amazing well I do want to jump into that but I want to I want to jump back a couple of a couple of different places um okay. one you graduate high school at 16 and there's this transition now to almost like the real world in a sense but you're still so young and your basketball yeah. career has kind of just gotten started I mean at that point did you think that like basketball was something that you you know, you could potentially do, you could, you could press on and, and like I said, go to a D one school and actually play at that kind of a level. Like what was your mindset at that time? Well, my mindset was that I was starting to believe that because Uh of what I was hearing from coaches is Mm -hmm. that, you know, you do have that skill level. 
um, you have the height, you have the work ethic, but, um, but I still wasn't a hundred percent sure I was going to try to go division one because I could have went to division two schools as well. And so yep. I thought, well, let me just, let's just see how it goes. So, um, but yeah, I really went in there and I think that first year of community college was the, probably the most difficult year for me in that I was adjusting to college and mm-hmm. I was adjusting to being with older athletes and the game shifted from high school to community college was a pretty big shift. Mm-hmm. And, and just those things that come with being, you know, having to juggle at a higher level books yep. and basketball. And so that was the first time I really understood the commitment to both ends of this was going to be pretty intense. Um, so yeah, the mindset was really like determination. It was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to be able to do a lot of other things, but I'm going to yeah. focus in on this. Yeah. Was there, was there any part that was like feeling a little bit lost simply because, you know, a lot of, a lot of players get recruited out of high school and then just make that jump straight into, you know, a four-year school was, what right. was your thought process around, around that, about going to a community college for a couple of years? Well, it's so interesting because because I hadn't played basketball before, mm-hmm. I think for I think for a lot of players, I mean, most people's goal, right, is to get into a four year school into a division one school. You yeah. know, when we you know, when we all start, I think we all have that goal. I didn't necessarily have that goal because I wasn't in a school that had sports. So I hadn't kind uh-huh. of created those dreams yet. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, just that first year of me playing in high school. Um, what it did was it opened up my eyes that there was more basketball for me, but it wasn't super clear what that was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I would probably say, after my first year in community college, then I started really seriously thinking, okay, I do want, I want to, I want to pursue this at the highest level. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I I totally get that. And I think that's like a really important message for people as well Is I've come across so many, um, so many players that they have this path in their mind written out that you go from, you know, your club team, your high school team to a four year college team. And, that community college piece almost seems like a, like a step back for players at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. so funny because I'm, I'm like you, I don't think of that as that at all. I think of it as a time to grow and it's a step along the path towards getting to that next level. And yes. too many players just think like, okay, I didn't get recruited out of school. That's it. My career is over. And I hate right. that because you don't even know that you might, you might have not even tapped your potential yet. And you may be able to find it in a community college like setting and then do exactly what you did and get that jump to a, to a D one program somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's so critical that you look at your careers in such a bigger mindset because there's so many different paths that you can take. And if you really love the game, the game can provide for you at any level. Yeah. And so, but for some reason, and I get it because athletes are driven, you want to be division one, but it's, it does. I think you're right. It, it ends up ending so many people's dreams yeah. when they could definitely continue on at all sorts of different levels. And I think it's a big mistake that a lot of parents and athletes make together in that, um, there's a sense of failure if you haven't made it to the, you know, division one sports. And 
Um, it's, it's just really crazy to think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is that people kind of see this goal as, um, you know, the scholarship or, you know, the, right. the professional career as opposed to what I think the true value of it all is, is enjoyment and fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and what's, what's funny about the entire thing is once you actually have the enjoyment and the fun, then all the other stuff actually comes, but it's those players oh, it's that so don't get the fun, you know, that don't ever actually get to that level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the part that we've really kind of cut out for our youngest athletes, I think, is that that fun piece. We want people just to jump in and work so hard for all this stuff, yet they haven't even fallen in love with the game yet. So yeah. it's kind of hard to give it everything when you don't love it that way, because in the end, you really you have to like a lot of things about sports to pursue it at that highest level. Yeah. And the other part for me, why I really like community college, well, one, because I was 16 going. So when I started, I was 17 years old, but I was immature for mm -hmm. sure. And I needed, I think that would have been hard for me to, to have gone division one and with the maturity level where I was at and um, community college gave me a little more space to do that, you know, just because it wasn't so intense. Yeah. Um, I was able to grow a little more on the personal side and in the book room and I mean, in the classroom yep. and that kind of allowed me to grow more as a person. So the next part I want to kind of jump to is, as you alluded to your mental breakdown after their first two days of tryouts, <laughs> because again, like you see a lot of players that get to a point like that and just give up, you know, they, that's it. I'm done. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm over it. Um, and so mentally that's such a, it's such a tough thing to come back from a lot of times. Uh, and and I love what your mom said, uh, focus on your strength, focus on the positive. Um, and so yeah, talk, talk me through kind of just that, that day, that, that mindset of it and how you, how you changed that to actually go back the next day and try out. Well, what was so interesting is that, you know, leading into that tryout, my confidence was as high in basketball as it had ever been. And it was, yeah. it was literally one day of practice that like kind of stripped that from me. And so that made me very aware that like athletes feel their confidence, you know, when they're on the way up, but then what happens, you know, when you hit that next level and we, and we see that transition being so difficult from high school to college, college to, to the pros, right. You see, yep some people just can't really make that transition. And so I will be honest with you, I was thinking maybe this is just, I'm not able to make that transition. And that, that would have been something that I would have accepted and understood. But the part that kind of stuck with me was um, I felt like I had a skill set that the University of Minnesota really needed. Uh -huh. And the the girls were big and they were strong, but they were slow. Yep. And and I felt like I could help them. And so when my mom triggered me with like, you have to change that mindset, um, I really just kind of zeroed in on like, okay, how could I get a rebound? How could I show how fast I am? Uh -huh. And so, and so it, but it, it is interesting because really the only thing that was different from the first two days than the last three days was I shifted my mindset mm -hmm. and that mind, that mindset shift really, I had to do that throughout my years. I was at the university of Minnesota for three years. I mm -hmm. sat out one year with a knee injury, but I had to use that the whole time because 
I, even though I made the team, I still was behind in my fundamental skills. And so the mindset, I really had to stay with the mindset of if I'm going to ever start on this team, if I'm going to be a leader on this team, I'm going to have to work harder than everybody else because of where I'm coming from. Uh And, and so like those shifts, um, really made it possible for me to play at that level in my senior year I ended up starting and I became the first walk-on that was became a captain Mm -hmm. and and I think it really all just started in that ability to say you know half the battle for athletes is in their head and how much they're willing to give and how much you're willing to change and adjust to situations and so that's that's how I had to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more with that. You know, I I know in my own career and a lot of players I played with, confidence plays just such a huge role. And it's and it's exactly that. It's that mindset of, you know, I can do this and I was destined to do this. And it's that perseverance Mm -hmm. of pushing through those negative moments and being able to get out of your own way half the time to be able to uh, to to find that next level of uh, of play, you know. Right. Yep, exactly. And and, and I'll also say that um, the ability to, like when we talked about me in high school, trying to make that team, I was watching. Mm-hmm. What the, one of the things I had to do quickly was I had to learn how these women were playing basketball. And so, again, it was being aware of um, teammates, being able to connect with them. Like on the mm-hmm. third day, I, con- I connected with the point guard and she was like, let's try to get you running a little bit. Let's see if we can push the pace a little bit. Uh And so, and so that's the other piece when you're on a team and you're, when you're playing team sports is so much is about what your teammates are doing and how they can support you, how you can support them. And in that moment, her willingness to kind of step up and, and work with me allowed me to, to showcase my skill set. Yeah. And it's, I feel like in those cases, especially when you're coming into a new team like that, it's, it's almost like feeling that acceptance of, okay, well, if she thinks this, then maybe I actually do belong a bit. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's a big part of it. You're right. It's like just feeling accepted. Cause I, that's when I left that first day, I was like, I'm not, <laughs> this is not for me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I no, just totally. really, you know, didn't feel that. And they didn't know me. I didn't know them. I didn't know the situation and, and it didn't take long to get there, but it did take the rest of my career to stay at that level. Like, um, I really had to commit to that level of work. Um, I couldn't go to practice. Like, you know, when you're a really, really talented athlete, you can kind of go to practice and not go full out all the time. Uh-huh. I, I was not that player. I had to go <laughs> full out and, yeah. and to be able to perform at that level. Yeah. Now, did you, at the end of your career, so it comes to senior year, did you have the aspirations to play professionally? Well, so the WNBA hadn't kicked off yet. And the, um, there were some pro teams, you know, around the country and that were kind of smaller. And then there was overseas. And so for a minute, I thought about, because I had gotten a couple letters from overseas, but um, again, in, in women's basketball, the, the top spots, overseas are always for the top athletes in the country Uh and so the letters that I was getting was kind of like here's a one-way ticket let's see how it goes this and that and it just wasn't secure enough yeah and um 
And so at that point, I was um, understood that that would be the end of my playing career. Um, mm -hmm. But then had said to myself, but I'm going to make a career in sports. Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to be a, I mean, I haven't gone through it myself, that transition from going from playing to not playing. That's a, mm -hmm. that's kind of a strange time, especially when I feel like for a lot of athletes, a lot of your identity is wrapped up in, in you, you playing that sport. Yeah, it, it's really hard. And I still remember like October 15th is the date that you would <laughs> always start practices yep. again. And like that, that was just embedded in me. And you knew that, from that day forward, you were going to, you know, be giving everything to basketball. And so I remember the first, you know, October 15th that came yep. that I was like sitting at home on a couch. Um, there's one part of you that's kind of relieved because you're happy to be away from the practices. And yep. then there is this sense of like, wow, um, that's gone. And, yeah. and I think that's where I'm so thankful that I had the balance of the other things that I was loving in school and what I wanted to do next, because I was, I was ready to kind of put my identity there. Yeah. Um, but I, but I've been with, and I know a lot of athletes who really struggled in that period of transition. Oh yeah. I mean, same, same here. So yeah, let's talk through that. Then you said you wanted to make a career in sports. How did you make yeah. that happen? Well, so one of the things that um, my teammates helped me figure out is that apparently I was always interviewing them in the locker room without even like <laughs> knowing that I was doing that. And so, sure. so finally someone was like, you should, why don't you do that for your career? Because I feel like you're always interviewing somebody. Mm -hmm. And literally that's how I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be, you know, that's, that was going to, that's my major. I'm going to be a journalism, mass communications major, and I'm going to yep. interview athletes. And um, and I didn't really know what that was going to look like at that back, you know, at there, there's a lot of female broadcasters who are doing a lot of great things now in sports. Yep. There wasn't quite so many when I was coming through. So there wasn't a clear path of what that would look like. So my thought was, I'll just work for a sports team. And because I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, we have a lot of professional teams here. We have a yeah. lot of college teams. So um, so I thought, I know I can get a job at a team and then eventually I'm going to work my way into broadcast. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what I did. I got a, I got an internship with the Minnesota Timberwolves right out of college. Mm -hmm. And, and then when that internship was up, they didn't have a position open. So I went and worked for, um, the Minnesota state high school league and they run all of the state high school tournaments yep. for high school sports. So I, I worked there for two years. Then the Timberwolves called back and said, we have a position open now. And um, so I went back and I worked in the marketing department for, oh, I guess I would say five years. Mm -hmm. But while I was doing that on the weekends, I was pursuing my broadcasting. So I was getting gigs, like covering some college sports and uh -huh. slowly worked my way into it. And then eventually the Timberwolves moved me into their broadcast department. Um, and then the WNBA came in. And so then I was um, just so thankful to finally, you know, be able to cover women's basketball. Yeah. So I became the, the analyst, the broadcast analyst for the mm -hmm. Minnesota Lynx and sideline reporter for the Timberwolves, um, as well as covering high school sports. I mean, talk about that where you kind of you've now kind of realized your goal and it's, you know, you now get to do what you had dreamed about for 
for so long. What was that? Yeah. You know, I'm still thankful for that. Literally, (laughs) like I think about that a lot because I love, I love my work. I have always liked going to work. And I know that that's such a difficult thing for so many people um, who just really don't. And so I feel so thankful um, I like working for sports teams. I like the cycle of sports, you know, like mm-hmm. this, there's just always hope for a better year and a better yeah. season. So there's something about that that I really like. But there's also from the broadcast part of it, what I really loved was and continue to search for um, as my career goes on is who are the athletes behind the sport? And yeah. and I think it's just so interesting that we all these athletes come to sports in from different places for different reasons. And everyone has a different story. And that's kind of really what interests me um, is, is how did we all end up here, but everyone's, you know, completely different. And I just, yeah, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, uh, of why I like doing these podcasts is because I get to hear these stories from people um, that, you know, everybody thinks that, Oh, you know, it's this easy path or everybody has this same path. And the reality of it is everybody's path is so different. There is no one path to get to that goal. And, you know, these days, I don't think that those stories get shared enough. So to be able to share your story and a lot of the other guests that we've had as well is just such a, such a treat for me. Yeah. Um, Isn't that fun? Yeah. I love it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it is, it really is. It's like, I get to know these people on a different level. And, um, and I just think that the stories are just so important for, especially kids these days to hear that like, okay, well, you know, you didn't start playing until you're a junior of high school. And I spoke with somebody on uh, a previous episode where they didn't actually start their sport until they were 20 years old and were still able to become a world champion. And so kids kids don't get that message these days. It's always about, uh, oh, well, if you don't specialize at six years old, then you probably aren't going to have a career in this. And that's just, that's just a lie. Not true. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I had, I had just interviewed, um, for my podcast, uh, uh, a player who plays in the NHL for the Minnesota Wild, um, mm-hmm. Jason Zucker. Mm-hmm. And he actually grew up in Nevada. And um, I think he was the first NHL player drafted who was from Las Vegas, you know, because yeah. it's not, well, now it has not hockey, but hockey it never had spot. hockey before. <laughs> but he was saying the same thing that he, he was, when he was younger, he was one of the worst athletes on the team, but he just, he loved the game. He loved, he loved practicing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting piece. Cause that's the other part that people don't realize is you do actually have to like to practice. And yeah, um, of course, and he would create his own practices, um, just making stuff up, making it hard for himself. But when he was done playing hockey for the season, he would rollerblade. And I just thought that was really cool. Cause he was like, I would never, he goes, and he isn't a big fan of kids playing year round, but he was like, you should do something and it should be something fun. And like, for me, it was like this roller blading skating thing that he was doing. That was just super fun, but he was staying in shape. And, but it was just, so just kind of what you were saying, it's such his story is super cool and unique. um, And he's playing at the highest possible level. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about rethink the win and some of the other projects you're working on. Yeah, so um, Rethink the Win came about um, because of my years in sports and working with athletes at all levels and kind of seeing some of the same issues over and over again with our younger athletes. And 
then when my own kids were going through youth sports, I was really thrown by kind of the toxic nature that was around, not all the time, but a lot of the games. Yeah. And, and I wasn't expecting that because I hadn't seen that before. And so, yeah. um, and so I just kind of felt like because I have a unique position, you know, working in sports and I thought that I could create something that might help it. So Rethink the Win is just that trying, it's a nonprofit trying to get people to um, see value in sports beyond the win. So Rethinking the Win and getting athletes to see themselves, you know, as more than athletes and getting parents to calm down and allow them to have the experience. And, and so I'm doing that through speaking and just kind of providing content, um, speaking, um, I do a podcast and I'm hoping to do a TV show around it. Mm -hmm. And, and what I do understand is there's definitely been a culture shift and parents don't necessarily mean, (laughs) mean harm, but yeah. like, I don't, I just think it's there in the mix of it and everybody's doing it. And um, I, I was just kind of really put off by that. So many young athletes were struggling with stress and anxiety and depression. And that was just something that didn't exist when we were younger. So, so that's my hope is that um, this can help families just kind of see that there is another way that there is um that there's there, we don't have to do it this way, even though the majority of people are doing it like this. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with you on all that. And it was the same for me. I didn't quite understand uh, why this shift occurred. Uh, and having worked in youth sports specifically for, you know, more than a decade now, um, I, I start to get it. And it's a shame. And it's actually parents think that they're helping their kids, but they're actually hurting them and hurting right. their development. And it's all based on, uh, I'd say, a miseducation as to what it takes to actually reach high levels of the game. And for me, yes. the biggest one that's missed at all times is it's called a game. It's called play. <laughs> it needs right. to be fun. We don't do things when they're not fun or we don't nope. want to put in extra time if they're not fun. And you know, as parents, um, we, we see opportunity for our kids or we see natural ability for our kids and we want to provide a path. And at the end of the day, kids need to find that path for themselves. And as parents, I believe our job is to open up the doors and show we can potentially show a path, but we can't make anybody take that path. Right. And, and you know, I find it funny as, as a parent on the sideline, a lot of times I'm probably the quietest parent. And I'm the one that actually knows what it takes to get right. to, the, to the next level, you know? Well, yeah, that's so interesting, Kelly, because I've interviewed a lot of professional athletes and professional athletes get it because, in, I mean, there's, I mean, I've, I've come across a few that are kind of the crazy parents, but sure. most of them, most of them, because they know what it took for themselves to get there, that it was intrinsic, that it wasn't mom and dad yelling at them, that, yep. That they they let their kids just do their thing, and so that's that's really why I thought, boy, if I can get that message out to parents from the top athletes, maybe they'll listen to them. Yeah. So, and 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 I'm sure people are listening to your, you know, what you're saying and this and the work that you're doing because you have played at the highest level. Yeah, you know, and and that's honestly why I wanted to have this podcast as well is is to just tell the that story and 
in the the path that these players take that it's not driven by mom and dad it's driven by players and that failure is a huge part of success yeah you know and um but yeah it's it's the it's the education that just needs to continue uh with all of right. his parents in order to help kids be able to be kids to and enjoy. get to again yeah reach their potential you know well and i think too that if you know if we can keep you know it's it's going to be difficult because it's obviously we're, we're trying to shift it into a new direction yeah but i think it's really i think what's interesting is there is no like there's no studies there's no scientific anything that supports kids playing year round or that no. supports the way that we're providing sports right now. So in fact, I it's the think, opposite. Yeah, it really is. And so I think eventually, and I'm not sure what it's going to be. Um, and hopefully it's just enough of us around the country who are yeah. kind of waking up to it saying, Oh, we, and you know, I feel bad for, for young athletes coming kids, through. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, and, and I say this from to a lot of parents is, what I gained from sports was my confidence that allowed mm -hmm. me to move into a high-end career. Would yep. that be enough for you if your kids got that through sports? Yeah, if, absolutely. You know, if, if they never made it through to any other level, but they came out with their confidence, so they could, you know, like that to me yeah. is, that's enough, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. It's like the things that you take from sports um, are, are going to help you be successful in whatever you do in life. It could just be, you know, in relationships and working with other people because you played a team sport. And absolutely, a lot of times I would say that's worth it. Yes, So I agree. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on Athletes Rising. Is there, can you tell everybody where they can find information about you? Yes. Yeah, so you can um, go to rethinkthewind.com if you would like to look at the website. Um, and then you can also find there's a Facebook page of Rethink the Wind and Instagram at Rethink the Wind. So um, if you're interested in more information or just kind of want to see the work that I'm doing. Um, oh, and the podcast that I'm doing is called um, Youth Sports Intervention. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of our listeners. Go check out Leah and thank you again. Can't, can't, can't right. say how awesome this was to be able to talk to you and, and hear your story. Yeah. Kelly, thanks for having me on. And I'm, I'm proud to be the first basketball player on your, yeah. on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Today's episode of athletes rising is brought to you by cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play.
Oh, 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 oh,